Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to Sports Talk on the Sports Buffet Radio Network. I'm your host, Lou Landers. I'm also a baseball writer with MajorLeagueFantasySports.com, and my articles are published every Saturday morning. I am joined here, as always, by my co-host, Zach Sauer, who is also a writer with Major League Fantasy Sports. His articles come out every Thursday. Zach is also my co-host on the Major League Fantasy Football Weekly Show, and the Season 2 premiere episode will be in early June. Zach, what's happening, bud? It's been another week. We faced off in fantasy this week in baseball. But more importantly, how's everything going with the daily fantasy column? You're still making people money. Um, do you want to make me some money this week? Because I could always use some more. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, um, as I've stated in previous, I, I can't play the big sites and DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, so I've been playing on a smaller site in Fantasy Aces and have been doing pretty well as of late, although my columns do um, represent DraftKings uh, cash games. So, you know, Lou, I could send you some, some lineups and you could put them in some cash games and let me know how they fare. And, uh, you know, with with how I'm doing over here in Fantasy Aces making that- are we talking strictly baseball at this point? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as as of this moment, when when football season comes around, um, I'll be doing that as well. But um, baseball is where you know I made my made my money last year, and you know we talk on the show, and I'm I'm more of the basketball guy, and you're more of the the heady baseball guy. But I found my most lucrative sport to be baseball. So um, yeah, certainly. I mean. You go check it out at fantasyteamadvice.com. Um, I'll probably not have time to get one in today, but uh, definitely write one up for tomorrow. Um, but tonight there is some some interesting uh, pitching prospects, and I'm sure we'll be talking about some of the uh, matchups later on in the show. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd love to make Although some money. Although I have some money, big NBA matchups tonight. There's some big, big uh... – implications in these uh in these game fours going tonight in the NBA as well. And certainly, that's something certainly. we're gonna talk about. That's something we're gonna talk about as well. You mentioned the MLB series. We're also gonna talk a little bit about some uh hot topics around the NFL, more stuff kind of I guess a lot of it has to do with the uh with the draft and some player movement and whatnot. Yeah. I guess so, as always, Zach, we'll be taking our callers too at uh five one six three eight seven one three zero six and if you want to speak with Zach and I, you can call that number and press one to enter the show. Yeah, so I was going Zach, to say enough you, about myself. You were Let's saying get something. into it. Yeah, okay. We, we we can do that. Before we do, though, I just want to uh, give a shout-out to R&B Music for our wonderful intro and outro. And, of course, a shout-out to Major League Fantasy Sports, who is the organization that gave us both our uh, radio starts and our writing opportunities and everything. Great organization. And... Speaking of which, you can catch my other show on Major League Fantasy Sports, and it's the Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Weekly. That is Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. I host that with Kyle Amore. And also tune into the Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Show every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. But now, man, let's, uh, let's start with some basketball. 
Um, and firstly, the game last night, I believe, we don't really need to talk about Cleveland and Atlanta because it's over already. Um, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a close and interesting series that turned out to be, right? Um, yeah. But, but, right? I mean, highly competitive. Um, but seriously, Spurs, OKC, I'm very excited about this series um, because I was worried that the Spurs were going to take it in five or six. But when OKC snuck out that game two win, this whole series changed because you're able to beat the Spurs in San Antonio like they did, which only happened one other time all year. You knew they had a good chance to win at least one of these games in OKC, which they did last night. So now you have a 2-2 series. Tim Duncan was held scoreless in that game. Um, Kevin Durant put up massive game, 40-something points or something like that, I think. Does OKC yeah, actually have a does okay like do they have a chance? We know they're beyond talented because of those two big guys and Westbrook and Durant. But I mean, like, can they actually like are they going to beat the Spurs? Like, you really think they they can beat this team? Because I I just don't see it. Well, I, I guess I'll have a, a little different take here. I definitely think they they can. Um, I don't think they're favored to do so, and um, I think it'll it'll be tough doing so as they're slated to play in San Antonio. Um, two more times out of the next three if it goes seven. But they showed they can win there. Um, and although, you know, they the Spurs did add LaMarcus Aldridge um, where they looked different from, from last year's team that lost to the Clippers. But, you know, they, they did lose to the Clippers last year. Um, and now I think a, a more talented team in OKC. Um, and as I said, yeah, they did add Aldridge who's had – I mean, absolutely monstrous games in game one and game two, um, 38 points and 41, respectively. Uh, but I think they, they do have a chance, but they need they need Durant to, to you know, score 30-plus points. He did go for 41. Um, Russell Westbrook had a, a, a struggling game in terms of shooting the ball. He went five for 18, um, but he still had 15 assists. And, um, you know, if he shoots the ball better, uh, in these coming games, I think they do have a chance. Um, if we look at the other side of the ball, you know, Aldridge had only 20 points compared to the, the 38 and 41. Um, then he had 24 in game three. Um, and Leonard uh, was the one who, you know, really led the charge in game three with 31 points. Um, and then last night he went for 21 points. Um, but KD got the better of Kawhi Leonard, and that's really going to be the matchup that I think swings this series. Um, you know, you said Duncan did go scoreless, but they don't really need his scoring to win. Um, Tony Parker uh, looked a little more aggressive, uh, shot the ball 16 times, scored 22 points. Um, I think they'll need a little, a little more effort like that from him um, if they want to close out this series. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think OKC does have a chance. I think uh, San Antonio will will take this, I think, maybe in seven games. But I think OKC is going to give them a better shot than most people thought. Um, but they're going to they're gonna need outside outside scoring from someone else than Katie and Russell Westbrook, like guys like Ennis Cantor and Deion Waiters, who had their best game last night. Uh, but I just don't envision that happening. Uh, going forward, Zach, I think. Zach, you bring up great points there, and they definitely need that secondary scoring. I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. My biggest thing is, I'm, I'm going to call it right now, if OKC can somehow pull out game five in San Antonio, they will win this series at six. If they go back to Oklahoma down 3-2, even if they're able to force game seven, they will not win game seven in San Antonio. I'm, 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 so, I'm so sure of it. I couldn't. I don't. I couldn't be more confident about that. If OKC wants to win this series, they can do so by winning Game Five because at that point they'll have all the momentum. They'll have won three of the last four games in, in this series, and they'll be going home. And that's, that's, just, and that's just the way I see it. Think about think about this too, but um, you know, say say they do go down uh, to San Antonio and and do lose, um, and then you're calling for. Uh, you know, game, uh, game six loss and them being done, this could be the last time Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook play together, you know? Think about that. Absolutely, too. That, that's, and that's a whole other storyline as well. Right. I mean, that's, like, 
something interesting to think about. You think they're gonna look at each other and be like, "Hey, got, hey man, you're my you're my best bro. Um, I love playing with you. So if this is gonna be our last run. Let's do it." So it's a little added extra. Whereas San Antonio, you know, they they're still trying to fit their pieces in with Aldridge. That they're still trying to acclimate himself. Um, there was something that came out that said um, at the All Star break. He was thinking to himself, well, Marcus Aldridge, that is, um, that did he make the right call in signing with San Antonio? Um, but it looks like, you know, he, he did, and he's fitting in there. And, you know, the big three that was Parker, Duncan, and Ginobili, now they have Leonard and Aldridge going forward, and that's just a dynamic duo that's going to be a force to reckon with for another 10, 10 years, you know? It's craziness how how much of a, a dynasty the Spurs are going to have um, when you consider the big three and now the big two going forward. Yeah, I mean, that that signing of um, Aldridge was, was massive. I remember when, when that, that happened, I was like, all right, well, Spurs are going to win again. Um, that's, that's, that's my biggest thing with the, with the NBA, and I know you're a huge basketball guy. And, like, I, I, I like the sport. I like watching the playoffs, but I just don't like how easy it is to become a contender by yeah. adding one or two players. If it, I mean, I know you know, I know you got to have you know six, seven deep to be pretty to be a, a solid team, unless you have a LeBron or a KD or a Steph Curry or whatever you you want to say. But it's like you you sign, you draft a guy, you sign a guy, and all of a sudden two-fifths of your, of your everyday r- r- roster is, you know, is taken care yeah. of. I just, I think it's so, too, I think it, I think it's too simple for the, right. for the successful teams that have a little bit of money and, and actually want to draw players there to be successful. I just, I don't know. I just, I just don't think right. it's, um, it's as difficult as, as it is in the other sports to become a contender. And I totally agree. And it's, this is, we'll move on to the next series with this. Um, that's why I'm kind of a, a closet LeBron um, fan. He's my favorite player, but, uh, you know, everyone says, well, he has to go places and sign with other guys to make him good. And, and while that holds true, um, you know, with him going to Miami and, you know, making the big three and now the big three in Cleveland, that makes that's what makes Golden State um, so lovable for everybody is they did it via the draft you know, and and groomed their guys via drafting and not via free agency. I mean, yeah, they got Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston and some of those bench guys via free agency, but not, not the big guys per se. They're, they're starting five with Draymond, Clay, and, and Curry, who they all drafted. Um, so that's what makes them so um, lovable and intriguing from a, a basketball um, fan fandom, um, you know, but that series, um, I want to get your take on that. I mean, with Curry being doubtful for game four now, what they're saying in Portland, um, just taking game three, 120 to 108, Lillard went off for 40 points, 10 assists. Um, it's a different animal in Portland and, and playing in Golden State. I think these are two of the um, best home crowds in the league. Um, obviously with Golden State, you know, they, they're known to have that amazing crowd because they've had such an amazing team. But Portland, um, from the outsider, if you're not a huge basketball fan, you don't really know that they have one of the best uh, home crowds in the league. Um, so I think they're going to go to Golden State, and even with Curry doubtful, uh, it's, it's a total different animal there. Willard's not going to go for 40 again in Golden State. I think they'll lock him down and change some adjustments. Al Farouk Aminu had his best game um, as a as a uh, trailblazer going for 23 points, 10, 10 rebounds. He went 8 for 9 shooting the ball. He's not going to do that again. Um, Draymond Green had 37, 9, and 8, which is absolutely absurd, and said he played his worst game um, of the season which just goes to show what kind of a player he is. He, he had a remark that said, I still think my best game um, was halfway through the season in Oklahoma City where I only scored one point. Um, so that's what 
you know, make this team so <laughs> lovable is guys like that, you know, where they groomed this team. Um, that, so I think that, I think that, Golden State really still wins the series. My yeah, I my, my was take the series. I agree with you about the, the Warriors winning the series. Um, my biggest thing is yeah. For Portland to even win a game in the series, Lillard had to put up, well, what did you say it was, 43 points? 40, 40 and 10 assists. Okay, so 40 and 10. Um, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he ain't going to be doing that with consistency in this series. And if he's not, yeah. they don't stand a chance. They need him to in put up 40, too. 35 to 40 points. Portland needs him to have 35 to 40 points a game to beat the Warriors, and it's just not going to happen four out of seven times. No doubt. I, I agree. And, um, you know, with with Curry being doubtful on this, this injury, we'll see, you know, how much it lingers, and I think they're playing it safe. I think they're thinking what we're thinking, kind of, you know, we can beat Portland here and um, in Golden State and do not really need Curry to close out this series and let him let them get healthy, and I think, you know, if they do win this next game um, and maybe Curry is able to go to the next game, um, I think maybe they try to hold him out and say, hey, let's let's see if we can keep him on the bench and win another game and close out the series and let him get fully healthy for um, the Spurs or OKC, whoever they see next. And I think um, it makes that next series very interesting um, without Curry going to be fully healthy for, for the rest of the playoffs um, because the sprain MCL is not something you can just bounce back from and be 100%. It's, a, it's an injury that, that lingers, um, as we know with pretty much any sport. Um, those, those tendons, these soft tissue injuries are, are ones that tend to linger, um, whereas, you know, uh, broken bones are something that kind of just heal and, and that's, that's all said and done. I'm no injury expert, but with this lingering on and Curry not being 100%, I think Golden State being a uh, doggone favorite to win to win this whole thing, I think is very much in question now. I think they'll they'll have a tough time in this next series, whoever they face, and if they move on, I think they'll have a tough time with with my boys in Cleveland um, and them being all healthy. We talked about LeBron playing by himself last year and winning two games with a JV high school roster around him without Kyrie and, and Love. And look how how dynamite they've been playing now. I mean, eight straight games, and I think, you know, they could easily make it 12 straight, whoever they play in this next series, how, how well they're playing right now. Kevin Love, you know, seemingly finally fitting in and doing what I thought they should do and play him in the post so he could, you know, get the rebounds and make his outside shooting more um, dangerous if he's a threat down low. So I think, you know, Golden State is is up in question now to win this whole thing. Well, Zach, Zach, let's let's continue with this injury talk uh, because it is it is a very important factor really in, in, in all of these series. But now with the Raptors in the heat, Raptors are up 2-1 yep. in, in the series now. Um, very similar-looking series to the first one they played against Indiana. Lost game one at home, one game two at home, one game three on the road. Biggest biggest thing I see here with the Raptors now, and I brought it up to you earlier um, maybe a couple weeks ago when the Raptors were playing the Pacers. And in my opinion, the X factor of these series yep. in the playoffs was Jonas Valanciunas. You knew where I was going with this. Well, he's now gone for the rest of this series. What does this mean now for the Raptors? And how do they match up against the Heat now without this big guy? Well, they got, uh, I would say, somewhat kind of lucky that, you know, he, he's got the same injury that Curry sprained MCL, but, um, or, yeah, he does well, but, uh, um, Whiteside also went down with sprained MCL in this game as well. So uh, where they're, they're X-Factor, and I, I totally agree with you, Jonas Valanciunas is their X-Factor. Toronto needs that third scoring threat and rebounder outside of Lowry and DeRozan. He was providing that throughout the Indiana series. Um, 
and was doing so at the beginning of this Miami series. But now with Whiteside being down, you're throwing in guys like Udonis Haslam, Amari Stoudemire, and Josh McRoberts. None of those names scare you. Um, so I think they can withhandle the loss of Jonas Valanciunas, um, who is already ruled out for the series, um, and Whiteside is ruled out just for this next game and his day-to-day after that. Um, I think if Whiteside well, Doc, has to miss. Let me ask you this, though. Assuming, and it is purely an assumption, obviously, that DeRozan and Lowry continue to be inconsistent, though. DeRozan's been a little better since, I believe, game three or four of the first uh, first round. But Lowry's been fairly inconsistent. Continues to be the case. I don't think it matters um, what the Heat are lacking or who the Heat are missing. No Valanciunas puts even more pressure on Lowry and DeRozan. They already had enough uh, to begin with. I just, I'm very concerned as not only as a Raptors fan, but just as if I was even an outsider looking in, they are not, they don't have a LeBron James. They don't have a Dwayne Wade. And I know Wade, Wade is older now, but Wade is still, uh, what, a three-time NBA champion, two-time, two, three-time NBA champion, been yeah. there, more, more experience than the whole Raptors team combined, Dwayne Wade. All I'm saying is they don't have a good player like that. They don't even have a, they don't have a KD even or a Russell Westbrook. DeRozan and Lowry are great players, but they're not superstars. They're they're stars, but they're not superstars. And they Raptors are the type of team that will you know, have a lot of trouble bringing in and drawing a superstar like that because they play in Canada and no one wants to go play there. So for them to be to lose a guy like Valanciunas. Is that much more magnified, in my opinion, than it would be for a team like the Heat or a team like the Cavs or even a team like the Warriors? Yeah, they're they're very similar to the Trailblazers with Lillard and McCollum, um, you know, that the, that backcourt and really nothing else. They're going to need a, you know, they signed Demary Carroll, who was injured for a lot of the season. He hasn't done anything in the playoffs this far. Uh, while playing big minutes, seemingly uh, playing 30-plus minutes pretty much every game. Um, I don't think he's had more than one double-digit scoring game um, throughout this playoffs. So, yeah, I agree. I would be worried as a Toronto fan. Um, you, you know, we can take positive as they're up 2-1, to one, so they have that going for them. Um, I think they can sneak two out if, if they need to, but let's be – Let's be vague, vague and clear here. Whoever moves on from the series, I don't think stands a chance against Cleveland. Um, so I don't think we should waste too much breath. I'm sorry about your boys in Toronto. I like the Toronto Raptors as well. I'm a closet fan of them because my favorite player ever in the NBA was Vince Carter, and he was a, a Raptor, um, a great Raptor, if you will. So uh, I think whoever wins yeah, the series... I- I'm maybe win one, one, one or two games. They can win one or two games against Cleveland, but... Forget about Lynn Sanity, man. It was all about Vince Sanity. Yeah, that was elbow in the, the, elbow in the, the rim. Man, man, no, but by my biggest... The, the, the one play with Vince Carter and the Raptors that I'll never be able to get out of my mind, though, is uh, 2001, Game 7, them in 76. Sixers, Vince Carter and Allen Iverson going back and forth all series long. Game comes down to one inbound play. Vince gets gets the ball um, right at the sideline behind the arc. Sinks it. The Raptors move on to the conference finals. Rings out. They lose. I'll never forget that moment. There wasn't nothing Vince could have done. It was just one of those, like the last time they were really close to being uh, competitive. I believe the 76ers went to play in the in the finals that year and lost. I can't recall who it was. As all, I mean, it was 15 years probably ago. The Lakers. So I don't think you can blame me. Yeah, I was. I was assuming it was probably the Lakers. They were the. I think they went three peat there or two peat there in the yeah. early 2000s. At first, I was thinking it might have been Sacramento with like Chris Webber. Um, but no, because they never they never won a title. Yeah, and Iverson didn't win a title either. 
But uh, enough, of, enough of this NBA chatter. Uh, yeah, because we'll find out a lot NBA. more tonight. We'll find out a lot more tonight anyway. Let's just talk Who a little bit basketball? about some NFL action. <laughs> There's some NFL action here I want to talk about, and uh, we touched upon some of it last week, so we don't have to take uh, forever necessarily to do this, but. There's obviously an interesting um, situation going on in Philadelphia with the Eagles and their quarterback situation. They had Bradford. We saw what Bradford did last year. But then they trade up. They get a top pick in this draft. They take a quarterback. And what's going to happen now is um, Wentz going to be playing for the Eagles to start this season? Is Bradford going to be playing for the Eagles to start this season? Is Bradford going to get traded from the Eagles? Uh, is there someone who's going to start that we haven't even thought about yet? Like, what is going on here in Philadelphia? They just never seem to have anything since the last couple of years. Nothing has been simple in Philadelphia when it comes to the Eagles. Without question. And I, I want to do a, a humble brag here real quick. I did call the, the trade out of the Cleveland Browns um, and the Eagles or the Niners moving up. And then uh did call Jared Goff going number one. So I'll take a little humble brag there. I'll also let the world know Lou did beat my butt here in in uh, fantasy baseball um, this week. So I'm feeling a little sore from that, but I'll take I'll take the the little NFL humble brag. It's kind of cool to see that all go down, but it, it is super interesting now with that quarterback room um, being a little angry with Sam Bradford. Um, he was one of the uh, last players to. Uh, get that huge rookie uh, lucrative deal when you know the the draft uh, money was different um, back then a couple of years ago um, where the rookies were getting huge huge contracts coming out of the draft. Um, so Bradford got his guaranteed money from the Eagles and said he wants to be traded after they they draft Wentz, um, and then it's coming out today that. Uh, he says he wants to be with Philadelphia, but for how long? And is that is that really the truth? He he did attend voluntary workouts um, after he uh, refused to pick up phone calls from management um, after the draft. He shows up to voluntary workouts where there is no media. Um, then we're going to have OTAs next week uh, where there is going to be media, and he's gonna, is he going to show up to that? Um, I think he still. Um, is trying to rescind the trade out of Philadelphia, um, but they're just, you know, trying to have good PR right now, so I think they're doing it behind closed doors. Um, and the Eagles don't want to get shafted on, you know, the guaranteed money they gave him, so I think they're they're trying to do something as well here and get something out of it, um, but you know, they, they want the PR side to look good, so they're trying to keep everything uh, behind closed doors, but I think it's you know, Carson Wentz is going to get, you know, the the job starting day one. Um, and Bradford is either going to be out of Philadelphia or um, riding the pine because he hasn't shown anything as an NFL quarterback. He's been often injured, um, just hasn't really played well at any time in his career more than, you know, a two- or three-game stretch. So I think they're going to throw Wentz into the fire Um and we'll see what happens. Well, it's like, it's like, like why move up in the draft at all to take right. a guy like White if you're not going to play the guy? Yeah. Without like, question, what's the point that's why that? I think they'll try to move Bradford, but they're not saying that they want to, obviously, um, because, you know, PR is such a touchy thing in, in sports that they're trying to keep that hush-hush. But I think they're trying to, you know, move on from Radford behind closed doors. Yeah, I would say so, too. I mean, they were trying to do the same thing last year with Marco Murray, right? They couldn't do it during the season. But the second they got an opportunity to, to move him, they did so as well, right? Um, and yep. Mark DeMarco Murray has, in my opinion, has a lot more skill as a running back than Bradford has as a quarterback. At least that's what they've both shown us um, in their NFL careers so far. Um, let's move away from Philly now, go over to Denver. We talked about Paxton Lynch getting drafted by the Broncos. The question I have for you and the question that, I mean, I think a lot of people are asking, not just Broncos fans, 
is what is going to happen there? Because we know they brought in Mark Sanchez. I think Mark Sanchez would do fine there. I don't think he'd be superb, but I think he'd do just fine. But now they have Paxton Lynch, who could also be just fine as well. Um, They could have quite the battle for that spot. They could give it to Sanchez and let Lynch kind of learn a little bit. Maybe Lynch will impress more than anyone could have even imagined, and he'll get it. And what are your thoughts here? Like, personally, they should give Sanchez the reins to start off. I think Lynch is definitely going to be their quarterback for the future. I would let Sanchez go three, four, five, six games even um, and see what he can give you because this defense is good enough on the Broncos to win whether or not Sanchez is throwing four touchdowns or two touchdowns. And you just hit it right there, bud. Um, There's a lot of super interesting um, moving parts here that I'll just break down rather quickly, but I think the thing that is going to – that really matters is um, look at last year. Peyton Manning was god-awful as a quarterback. They won the Super Bowl with this elite defense. Um, So no matter who's playing at quarterback here, I think they'll be just fine. Um, But they did trade up to number 26 to draft Paxton Lynch. Guys, 6'7", 245. Um, and at Memphis, played 13 games, through for 3,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. Um, but, you know, guys like Mike Mayock um, and draft experts uh, had him, you know, ranked as their third quarterback um, and said, you know, he's going to need a year or two to develop to be able to um, adjust to these uh, NFL-style defenses. Um, they have, as you said, Mark Sanchez there, who – Although only started 10 games in the past two seasons, um, he's only had two winning seasons in his career in in 2009 when he was drafted by the Jets and the year after that. But if you look at that team, uh, it's set up just like this Broncos team. There is an elite defense there. Sanchez took him to two AFC championships um, by playing just game manager ball um, and lets the defense do the rest. And, I think they'd be just fine letting Sanchez even play a full year and letting Paxton Lynch develop. Um, you know, Sanchez, like you said, he he could throw four touchdowns or two touchdowns, and I think there's they're still going to hold teams to under 14 points a game, so it's it's not really going to matter all and that much. And four, they score on the defensive side too. Yeah, you know, and, like. Yeah, like not 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 only will they shut opposing teams down, but they actually score on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I gotta agree with Sanchez. I think that Sanchez is actually underrated. I think he's a, actually a better quarterback now than he was then when he did lead the Jets to those um, to those playoff um, games and those AFC Championship games. Um, one thing that you brought up to me a couple times, and I know you wanted to talk about, was the fact that uh, Brock Osweiler, you know, was on the Broncos last year. He was pretty productive in filling in for Peyton Manning. Um, he walked as a free agent. The Broncos did not offer him the big money. He goes to Houston. So, firstly, do you think the Broncos should have paid Osweiler this money, or are you happy with their decision? Because personally – I think that Osweiler is a good quarterback, but I think that Sanchez will be just fine, and I like that they have Pax Lynch now, too. I think they're better off in the long run um, by not paying Osweiler that money. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's why I, uh, you know, sent that over to you and wanted to bring it up because I, I totally agree. You know, we signed a four-year, $72 million contract for a guy that started seven games um, in his pretty much pro career, um, you know, and he's $37 million guaranteed money. Um, you know, if the Broncos were to offer him that kind of money, they wouldn't be able to sign um, some of their defensive key cogs like Ron Miller, who they're working on. Um, they signed to a, a pretty huge deal, and they got other other guys they have to work out on defense as well. Um, so, I think they're much better off letting him go. And I think Houston, yeah, overpaid for him. But if 
as we've brought up on the show before, um, I don't think any price is overpaying, whether it's draft pace or actual money, if you think you have your franchise quarterback. And uh, I guess Houston thinks they do. Um, but I think, I think you know, Denver is better off. And I think Houston, you know, is better off. You know, they signed what they thought is their franchise quarterback. They don't have to deal with guys like freaking Matt Schaub and Case Keenum and, you know, guys that they've had in the past, uh, Brian Hoyer, Brian Mallett. Um, and they signed Lamar Miller, who I really like. I don't think was used properly in um, Miami. And I think we've talked about that a lot on our football show in terms of fantasy. He could have been a, a lot better of a back if used um, more. They seemingly would never give the guy 20 touches. Now Arian Foster's gone out of the picture. They got Lamar Miller there, uh, four years, 26 million, 14 guaranteed. Uh, you talk about guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who's um, an elite receiver and shown he can play with anybody at quarterback. And then they sign a guy, Will Fuller, who's an interesting uh, wide-bodied, um, big-handed receiver, kind of just like DeAndre Hopkins, um, who's going to be benefiting from DeAndre Hopkins getting double covered. And I think um, this guy, Will Fuller, can make an impact this year because um, we know Cecil Shorts is often injured throughout his whole career um, and Nate Washington is at the end of his career. So I think this Houston offense is going to be an interesting one to watch this year um, with a lot of different moving parts there. And I think both Denver and Houston um, made made good moves this offseason and, and are going to benefit um, moving forward. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, I think the Osweiler situation specifically was a win-win for both of these teams. Um, with Houston, I mean, they, they they were a competitive team last year with no offense really to speak of whatsoever besides DeAndre Hopkins. It's a great defense. And all of a sudden, you know, you bring in a running back that hopefully can stay healthy, unlike uh, previous years for them with Foster, as you mentioned, and they want to give the ball to Alfred Blue and to um, – What's the other guy I'm blanking on? Um, um, Pede. They had Pede there. They had. Um, yeah. What's the other guy? Yeah, I'm blanking on the other guy They had no running game to lean on. They had inconsistencies at quarterback. They didn't have a guy who was going up there every day, every game playing. Um, I, I, I think Houston's in a much, much better place than they were a year ago. And they're going to need to be, because as we've talked about, uh, Luck is going to return and going to be in, in, in top form for the Colts. And the Jags are getting better. They just really are. They're, they're a better team than they've been, and they're only getting better. So this Houston needed to do this. I, I like the moves. And I think that I think that's going to go, go from being one of the weaker divisions in the NFL to having three potential playoff teams now. Without question, and I'm a huge Jaguars fan, and I really like what they're going to bring to the table. And as you said, Andrew Luck is going to return, and I think the Colts will be uh, contenders as they were two years uh, ago. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting division that was um, once looked at as all bottom feeders and now can have teams that are going to, you know, three of them – can be fighting for, you know, wild-card playoff spots. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm getting really excited for the NFL season, and it's still kind of far away. Um, it's right. really a shame. But the season that we do have going on right now, and, and I mean, it is my favorite, of course, uh, is baseball, Major League Baseball. And um, we're in the second week of May now, and – there are still some teams struggling. There's some teams that are probably playing a little better than those would have expected. And uh, there's really, there's really a lot to talk about around major league baseball, but um, due to time constraints, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about a couple matchups here and there. Let's start off with the Chicago White Sox who are having one hell of a season so far in 2016 and the Texas Rangers who have been good. Uh, but are still waiting to get back you Darvish, and when they do, they could be it could be a team that people should be paying a lot of attention to because 
as although he's been on the shelf for quite some time and you never know if someone's going to come back from Tommy John's surgery, the prospect of having Darvish and Hamels at the top of your rotation in a division like that, um, would, I mean, if I was a Rangers fan, I would be thrilled, Zach. Yeah, no doubt. They, Those two guys are, are unquestionable, as you said, um, we never know about guys coming back from TJ surgery, but we know how dominant you Darvish is um, when healthy, and I think he will return to um, somewhat of that form. And those two guys are are can win you games alone, and that offense is powerful when when hitting. Um, I think that outfield is um, going to be um, interesting once they get Chu back. Uh, you know, with Mazzara really asserting himself, um, coming along nicely and really playing, hitting well out of that second second hole. Um, I like what they did, and um, I question I question you um, to see if Rugnan Odor would move up in that lineup, and they did move him up to the number one slot, and he's been on um, absolute fire as well. So I think with two, when two come, comes back, um, I think it's uh, Delano the Shield who's scuffling right now. I think hitting below 200, um, going to lose some time. And even though Ian Desmond uh, has been hitting better as of late, I think he'll lose some of that as well. But I think Mazzara has asserted himself, and it's not going anywhere now. Um, so I think they they got. Um, Embarrassment of riches there in the outfield, as I said, with Desmond finally finally hitting a little bit, and we know DeShields um, can hit the ball and is in scuffling right now, but, um, you know, he'll maybe lose some time um, against righties and hit against lefties and to uh, maybe, I think they're still saying there's a few weeks away, if I'm not mistaken, but um, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch there. And then with the White Sox, exactly. man. Also, Zach, the Rangers also have another really talented outfield prospect named Lewis Brinson. Um, and he's expected to get a shot at the majors this year, too. So it's going to be very interesting. And one thing I was talking about on Thursday, and um, I, I mean, it's, it was really kind of just – I kind of just threw it out there. There's no real merit behind it. But I was talking – I was on the show with uh, Kyle, obviously, and uh, Eric Pollan, and I was saying that I think the player that Texas would be willing to trade that has the most value, um, if you're looking at, like, Chu and Desmond and DeShields and maybe, like, an Elvis Andrews type of thing, I think Andrews has the most value there from, from a trade standpoint. And if they like Ian Desmond, they could put Desmond back at short, open up an outfield spot so that Chu and Mazzara could both play every day. Um, I think they have. I think they have a good problem to have, obviously, in Texas. Very deep um, with young talent. I mean, there's also Joey Gallo as well, who could play the outfield. But I think they're saving him for third base when Beltre finally does retire. But Texas, yes, they are loaded. They are loaded beyond with young talent, more so from the offensive standpoint. But if they're in it this year, and, and they, uh, as, as they should be, and they're lacking a starting pitcher, don't be surprised if you see a guy like Alvis Andrews, who's, who's already signed long-term, um, he might get moved. Because he is, I, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm a general manager around Major League Baseball, I'm more interested in Andrews than I am in Desmond or in Chu or in Delano the shields, and that's just the bottom line. Right, yeah, that's. I think that's definitely an interesting um, point you bring up there with, with Andrews. Um, I want to get your take on the other team in the series, the White Sox, who are number one in the AL Central right now, above teams like the Tigers and the Royals, who are, um, you know, scuffling. And, you know, we're only 30 games in, but uh, at 22 and 10, um, is this team for real with, you know, they got Chris Sale, who I think is 6-0 and now. 7-0, um, I think, even. Yeah. Um, who his strikeout totals aren't where um, we're used to seeing, but he's still 6 or 7-0 and, and winning games. Uh, 
Matt Latos, who they signed for $3 million, looks like an absolute steal right now, who's not dominating guys, but is getting quality starts, getting wins. Um, got Carlos Rodon, who's a young, exciting lefty. Um, so I think this team is formidable, formidable too, and I think they'll be uh, in this race. I think, you know, the Royals and Tigers will turn things around somewhat and make it interesting, but what do, you, what do you think about the White Sox going forward? Do you think this pitching rotation behind Sal is enough? Um, do you think their offense with the Brayu, Frazier, and Adam Eaton is enough? Do you think they need another another bat in that lineup to make them formidable? So this is what I'm thinking about the, the White Sox. And I'll get, I'll get to them more specifically, but teams like Cleveland, teams like the White Sox, teams like the Mariners, all three of those teams are playing good baseball this year. And a lot of people say, oh, they're surprising. Why is everyone so surprised by this? Last year, those three teams were supposed to be three of the best teams in the American League. Seattle got off to a slow start. Cano wasn't hitting. Walker stunk. The White Sox weren't scoring any runs at all. Cleveland had a terrible April and it didn't really go so well for them. But none of these teams got worse in the offseason. Maybe Cleveland didn't get much better because they didn't really do much to their offense. But the White Sox got better by adding Fraser, by adding Austin Jackson, by adding Brett Laurie. And you've seen it so far with their defense and their offense. And Seattle got better. Seattle got a closer in Cichek. They added Leonis Martin. They added Nori Aoki. They added Adam Lynn. They brought in a catcher who doesn't hit 160 like Mike Grunino did. And these, these, are, these are solid, solid teams, but specifically with the White Sox. You mentioned Sale, amazing. Rodon has ace-caliber stuff. He still, he still has a lot to work on. He still gives up too many hits, too many runs, but definitely good stuff. Latos has been unbelievable so far. Got to be happy with that. The biggest, biggest thing to me, Jose Quintana. Still so underrated, one of the best uh, yeah. in the American League so far this year, though. Amazing pitcher. Uh, he's the X factor in that rotation to me because you know what you're going to get from Sale. And if you have two top flight starting pitchers, you can go places in Major League Baseball. You don't need three or four top flight guys. If you have two, you can go places. They have those two. They have other quality guys. And, yes, I think they have more than enough offense because Todd Fraser hasn't even really gotten it going yet. Lori's been good. Abreu's good. Um, I'm not sure if Jimmy Rollins is going to be the long-term. I say long-term, I mean long-term for the season. Um, they got Anderson. Or no. Yes. The minor is there to bring up. Saladino could also play a little bit of short as well. Um, but beyond that, they're pretty strong. They have a good outfield. I think Melky can hit. AJ can hit. Um, Austin Jackson being AJ, Adam Beaton can hit, and Abby Phil Garcia has gone off to a decent start, and they've been waiting for him to hit as well. So I think the White Sox are definitely for real. I do think the Royals will start to play a little better than they have been lately. Uh, I think the Tigers, as good as their offense is, I don't like their pitching staff beyond Jordan Zimmerman right now. We'll see if Verlander can turn things around. Um, and the Twins, I mean, the Twins kind of just put themselves in a really bad spot with their terrible start. They're talented. They just don't think they have enough to really yeah. um, to, to really compete when there's four other teams in the division who are just as good. Yeah. Um, let's 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 go over to uh, let's go over to a really exciting National League series. At least I I, I think so. Um, it's New York Mets with all of their pitching, and the LA Dodgers with all of their money. So who's it going to be, pitching <laughs> or money in this series? Uh, I think pitching, and um, you look at the four matchups here. I'll just play through them real quickly. First, it's Mats versus Kazmir. Then we go DeGrom versus Wood. Um, then my favorite matchup, you get Thor, uh, Noah Syndergaard versus Kenta Maeda. Um, and then lastly, you have uh, Pillsbury Dullboy, Bartolo Colon, who just hit that home run. Um, and I actually had in DFS that day, uh, won me some money. He pitched a great game. You don't get points for home runs, but it was pretty sweet to see um, going up against Kershaw. Um, so I think the Mets can take three out of four I like here. The Mets. I like the Mets pitching um, in those first two games for sure. 
the second two games are certainly very – those are some interesting matchups, though. You've definitely got to give Kershaw the edge against Cologne. As much as we love Cologne, got to give Kershaw the edge. And yeah. I definitely want to give Syndergaard the edge against Maida, but Maida's just been unbelievable, too. Yeah, I mean, I was was excited to see how he would fare against the Blue Jays, a lineup like that, plus the addition of the designated hitter. And he looked solid. I mean, it wasn't his best start of the year, but he looked very solid, quality start, uh, and gave the Dodgers a chance to win that ball game. Yeah, certainly. And and he had a great start prior to that in Colorado. Um, Quality start, I think he gave up one run. So, yeah, I mean, as much as Syndergaard has looked like possibly the best pitcher in the game to open the season. Um, Maeda has been just as good, maybe not as dominating, but numbers-wise, you look at ERA and whip, he's right there. Um, you know, the Mets are number one in the in the NL East, and the Dodgers are number one in the NL West. Um, their their um, records are split by three games. The Dodgers are uh, a game over 500 and sitting in number one in their division, whereas the Mets are eight games over 500 um, and sitting in the number one spot. So I think the Mets can take three out of four here. They also played a great playoff series last year, too. Yeah, that was an awesome series to watch. Um, As a Dodger fan, it it stunk. Um, But I I also really like the Mets and their young pitching arms. I'm becoming a a fan of the Mets as well. I have too many favorite teams, man. i got to make up my mind on things, but... Obviously yeah, you got to no, pick one for league, man. That, that's what you got to do. Got to pick one for with, league. With no team in in Buffalo, um, besides the minor league affiliate, uh, who I did see Brandon Phillips play um, when he was a young prospect, and he came out to like some fifty cent in his picture on the jumbotron. He had like two huge gold chains. I'm like, this guy's pretty sweet, and it's pretty that's cool hilarious. to see him work out to be a a pretty good big league player and who's on a terrific role right now. I think he's hit home runs was in four straight was games. In, was that when he was in the Expos farm, farm system? or uh, I'm not sure who Buffalo was affiliated with at that point. You know, you do know that, that trade, right? It was something like, um, I think the Indians traded like Bortolo Cologne. This is like in like 1996 or like 98 or 9 or something. They traded Cologne to the Expos. I think they got like Cliff Lee um yeah. They got Brandon Phillips and Grady Sizemore. Right. And quickly um, became monsters. Which, which, for, which for a moment in time looks like quite the deal for the Indians when Grady Sizemore was unreal. And, Brandon, I mean, Brandon Phillips really became Brandon Phillips with, with the Reds. But, Reds, um, right. It's, I love looking back at some of those trades, though. Another another interesting one. It's a little off topic. I was reading something that when the Yankees and Rangers made that big trade with um, Alfonso Soriano and A. Rod, the Rangers had an opportunity to take another second baseman from the Yankees uh, minor league system, and they had their options between two guys and Robinson Cano, and they went with one of the other guys and not Robinson Cano. So you can only imagine how that would have changed the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers for years and years to come if they would have uh, they would have taken Cano and Soriano. Um, right. It's just, it's really interesting. The trades you don't make are often the best, the best trades, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And well, very interesting. Let's, uh, let's talk about your team because we only have a, like seven minutes left here. Let's talk about the, the Royals and Yankees upcoming. And I want to get your take on a, a few things with the Yanks. Um, you know, they're seven games under 500, sitting at number five in the AL East. I heard someone bring up an interesting point. Um, they have Chapman coming back from his suspension, um, and guys like Adam Miller and Batances, you know, those three big arms um, at the back end of their bullpen. Andrew Miller, um, is not he's not young anymore. He's 30 years old. Uh, people were, I can't remember who was talking about it on Sirius Radio, but bringing up the point of possibly moving, you know, Miller or Chapman um, and getting some return value for them. If if they're not going to make a push, do you think the Yankees can turn the season around um, and make a push? Okay. The playoffs, well, this, is, this is what I'm thinking about the Yankees. Firstly, losing A-Rod, yeah, he's 40 years old. That's a big loss still. He still is the leader in home runs, still a tough at bat. 
That's the first problem. Second problem is they're just old. I mean, as, as, as good as some of the track records are, they're old. They're not going to hit consistently. They're always going to be banged up and bruised. Ellsbury's hurt now. Um, I mean, am I happy they took two or three in New York from the Red Sox this weekend? Absolutely. Of course I am. How could I not be? I love when they right. beat the Red Sox more than when they beat anybody else. The problem that I see here is they have tons of quality arms, yet none of them are pitching well, except for, uh, with the exception of Tanaka. Yeah, they have yeah. this great bullpen, which is about to get even stronger because I believe Chapman returns tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. But that doesn't matter if you, don't, if you can't score enough runs to keep the other team off the board long enough to get a lead. To, to those guys. So do I think they can turn it around? Absolutely. By the same token, let's say late June, early July comes around and they haven't. I think Chapman's gone. I think that Miller's gone. I think that they'll take anything they can for a Teixeira or for a Beltron. I think that they might try and trade to Ellsbury. I think that this they would be in a very, very, very good position to try and trade absolutely anything that they can that they don't want for the future because we know they have money and within two off-seasons they can be a World Series contender again. They do have some pretty solid young prospects as it is now, not to the extent of teams like maybe the, the Red Sox or some of the really good pharmacists, but they have some impact young players who can, you know, make an impact in the this year or next year. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, if I'm them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too hasty and just, you know, start cutting people and trading this and trading that. It is only May. But uh, I, 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 I think that they've done themselves a little bit too much of a hole. I think they're a little – I think the, the age is finally really caught up with them. And the thing is they do have a lot of pieces that can help a lot of other ball clubs, you know? Right. So – why why not get a little piece that you can here there? I would I think if they traded Patantis they'd be crazy. But Miller I, I would yeah. move. Chapman Miller, I would one hundred percent move in in a heartbeat. Um so yeah, I mean I think it honestly could be the best thing for them would be to finish in fifth place in the AL East and trade a bunch of players away. It's a, it'll just get them back to being competitive that much faster. Like they're not the type of team that's going to go on a five or six year, um, six year streak of being t- terrible. They may have one or two years, and they'll be right back. Right. Because like the Dodgers, they have the money. Money. Um, with the Royals though, with the Royals though, who they're hosting this week, the Royals aren't playing very well either, and a lot of it has to do with their starting pitching, in my opinion. Um, we didn't see it catch up to them last year. And then they brought in Cueto, who wasn't even that great, by the way. But this is the starting rotation. Volquez, pretty decent. Ian Kennedy has been great. But Jordano Ventura, again, he started okay, but he is really struggling. Chris Young stinks. Chris Medlin, beyond, beyond trash. So they have three of their five starters who can't even give them, can't even give them six, six innings, or even five qual- quality innings. If the White Sox weren't that good and the Indians weren't that good and even the Tigers didn't have the offense they have, sure, you know, they could still probably get by. But if this is how, if this is what they think they're going to be able to ride to the playoffs is that starting rotation, they are insane. Like, they are nuts if they think that that starting rotation is going to be able to compete in the division with the teams that, that they're competing with this year. Last year it was all fine, fine and dandy man as as you said you know the, as we talked about the White Sox were not that great they couldn't hit the Indians got off to a terrible start but things are different now do you do you do you think the Royals are going to make the playoffs because frankly I don't I don't I, they don't have the money to bring in good good pitchers behind those guys they traded their best pitcher last year to get young pitcher to get Zobris last year from the A's and Sean Mania. I just don't think they have the starting rotation that it's going to take to get back to to the playoffs. I, I, I yeah, just don't see it. Certain, certainly, and when you look at guys uh, in their lineup, um, Moustaka is hitting the stable list. Um, big loss there. Lorenzo Cain having an awful start to the season, um, hitting at, at about a 200 clip. 
Um, Morales hasn't been the guy that he was last year, although he, I think, played way over his head last year. Um, he hasn't played really well this season. So, you know, we know their pitching staff was not going to be that great. Um, and their lineup that survives on efficiency and contact um, and their guys not making contact and being efficient at it, I think are going to struggle and be behind the eight ball. I think um, they'll be in the run for the wild card spot, but I don't think they'll they'll win this division going away like they did last year. You know, as you said, with the White Sox not hitting well and the Indians having um, a couple rough months, I mean, those two teams looking better this year, I think they're definitely going to struggle. And it's, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. They they could be the even if they have the exact same team as last year. I mean, um, sometimes it takes teams a little bit of time to figure out. But if you really like, I was saying earlier, if you really look at the Indians and teams like the Mariners, the White Sox, the Nationals, even if you if you want to consider them, these are teams that are, if not better than they were last year, at least very similar to they were last they were last year with high expectations. And it really shouldn't be that surprising to people that they're playing well now because they, they do have the talent there. And it does take a little bit of time for things to click. And I think the Royals are kind of seeing now that, um, you know, the team they had the last couple of years, as good as it was, and it was good, and it still is good, it doesn't matter if they're just as good as they were. Everyone else has found a way to improve. And I don't think that I don't think that they've that they did enough this off season to combat that. I guess is the bottom line here. Exactly. Let's talk about one more series though quickly. Um, San Francisco Giants, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this is this is this could be some pretty good baseball here. Um, the Giants are a very weird team. Uh, they can they can play they can be playing better than anybody and then they can just kind of completely shift the bed. Um, they struggled a little bit against the Rockies this weekend in San Francisco. They now go to Toronto and play their division rival, the Dodgers, pretty well this weekend. Um, Toronto's a good lineup, a good D eight. They have a D eight there. Um, outside of Bumgarner and I guess Cueto. Um, do you think that the Giants pitching staff is going to be able to keep these Jays bats quiet all series? No, and um, you know, Cueto's not even going to start in the series. It's going to be PB Kane and then Mad Bum. Um, and you look at Toronto, Aaron Sanchez, who's been lights out thus far. Jay Happ, who you know they signed for crazy money, um, but has also been pitching. He's also, been, he's also at, been fantastic, though. Yeah, and then you got Stroman in game three against Bumgartner, and Bumgartner's had an up-and-down season um, as well. So I think, you know, TV and Kane are garbage. love lefties, too. Yeah. Love it. TV and Kane are garbage, so I think, you know, Toronto can score 10-plus runs in those two games if they if all things are going well. And their their lineup hasn't been hitting like last year, but I think – That'll come around as well. Other guys will start hitting. Um, and what a way to get it going other than hitting off guys like Jake Peavy and Matt Cain, who have just been not good at all and at the tail end of their careers. Yeah. Right Those guys honestly should not even have jobs and then, in baseball right And then in game three, in game three, you get Mad Bum, who's a lefty, and the, the Blue Jays just absolutely destroy lefties. So, That'll be an interesting matchup as well. I like the Blue Jays in the series. I like their pitching. I like their pitching all the series. Giants maybe maybe squeak out a game, but I like the Jays 100 percent in this series. And I hate saying that because although I'm from Toronto, I, I don't like when AL East opponents win. Uh, I do like watching the Giants though. I definitely love watching Bumgarner. I'm definitely definitely going to watch that Bumgarner-Stroman matchup because it's very, very exciting to me. But, buddy, we are um, – but, buddy, <laughs> that sounds funny. But, um, buddy. But, Zach, but, my <laughs> Zach, we are um, – we're out of time here, man, for today. 
but but with that being said, um, is there anything that you want to add? You want to say anything to the listeners? Um, you want to crack a joke? I mean, the floor is yours, man. Well, uh, I I don't have any jokes. I'm not a I'm not a stand-up comedian. Um, so I can't crack any of those, uh, can crack my butt because we are butt buddies, as you said, just going to say from the best in the West, um, to the beast in the East covering the sports buffet, uh, things we slay. Uh, I don't rap. This is a piece of crap. So I'm going to stop and you can clean me up like a mop because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, at least you're, you, you are very poetic, though. You might not be able to rap, but at least we know you right. can write poems. Right. Um, so so that, that is good. I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. very poetic, but I can't rap either, so you got one off on me, bro. Um, Great show. Let's do it. Let's do it to our partners. you got R&B Music. we got Major League Fantasy Sports. You can catch the Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Show every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They also catch my other show that I host with Kyle Lamore, Major League Fantasy Baseball Weekly, every Thursday night, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And you can also catch, I believe, starting Saturdays in June, Zach and myself will be hosting Major League Fantasy Football Weekly, our second season doing that. So we do look forward to that. We look forward to getting into the football season. Major League Fantasy Sports has actually started to publish some uh, football articles as well, so you can check those out. And uh, just thank you to everyone who contributed to the show here today. On behalf of Zach and myself, I want to thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Lou Landers, and we will be back on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern next week and every week. Good night, or good afternoon, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.